Blog Talk Radio. that you're here with us. This is Gail Sylvia, your host of sylviaglobal.com radio. I'm very excited today. Um, We have an extraordinary guest joining us. I first um, learned about Bruce Dabowski and his work in Women Moving Millions newsletter, monthly newsletter. Um, Bruce has more than 30 years of dedicated service, um, dedication to community building and social justice through his professional and volunteer work. He's on a mission, and his mission and commitment it has resulted in the founding of the Dabowski Group in Colorado, helping individuals and families, along with businesses and foundations, organize, strategize, and maximize the impact of their philanthropic initiatives. He also writes a regular column on um, titled On Philanthropy, which is published in the Sunday Denver Post business section. Uh, he is here today talking about the changing face of philanthropy and the change in that face. The faces that are changing are the increasing presence of women and how women have changed the face of philanthropy. Bruce, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm great. Glad to be here. Oh, such a pleasure. Talk to us about um, how women have changed the face of philanthropy and why this topic um, is important. Well, women have more money and more control and influence over how it is spent than ever. And as a result, women are making more decisions about philanthropic investments and are playing a larger and larger role in uh, the outcomes that we're all trying to achieve with our philanthropy. I mean, one thing to think about, Gail, is that um, uh, by 2025, it's estimated that 60% of the billionaires in the world are going to be women. 60%. 60%. And, and, what, yeah, is and that, what is that growth attributed to? Just um, the increased uh, access to positions of power, positions of influence, uh, career opportunities, the whole redefinition of the role of women in contemporary society uh, has uh, has women playing a bigger, bigger role in wealth creation and wealth distribution. I mean, think about this. Women run more than 10 million businesses in this country with a combined annual sale, sales of over a trillion dollars. And women make 80% of consumer buying decisions. So the role of women in our economy, in our business world, and ultimately in our philanthropic world has only grown over the last 20 or 30 years. And we're seeing women um, being equal players as we would hope and expect at the philanthropic planning table. I'm also noticing that you referenced some statistics that indicate that 26% uh, working wives now make more than their working husband. That's also a, a, a change in how history has recorded women and work um, salaries. Uh, yeah, when you think about that, one out of four women make more than if they're married uh, uh, than their um, working husbands. So 
you know that that number has gone up a lot. You think about what it was like in the 50s and 60s when women didn't even work outside the home, right? Now they're working outside of the home, and of course inside the home, but outside the home as well, and um, and are competing for top jobs. And I mean, the problem is there's still a gender pay gap. We know, and there, we still need to solve the fact that in the United States women earn 70 cents uh, of every dollar. Uh, earned by men for the same job. But even with that statistic, women are showing uh, uh, increased access to wealth and increased ability to create it and now increased ability to give it away. You know, there um, seem to be basically three ways that women acquire wealth. We There are those who have earned it, um, you know, worked hard, started businesses, um, successfully managed and sold those businesses or retained them and acquired wealth, those that have married it, and then those who have inherited the wealth. So women who will inherit um, 70% of the $41 trillion in intergenerational wealth transfer is expected to rise over the next 40 years. At least this is a quote, a statistic that you've also quoted. Right. Um, uh, estate planners and wealth managers have been talking about this tremendous wealth transfer that's about to happen from the baby boomers. Um, $41 trillion transferring between generations. And it's expected for a variety of reasons that the majority of that, 70%, will go to women. Uh, even right now, women control more than half of the private wealth in the United States. So there's a lot of power there, and there's a lot of power to make a difference, and there's a lot of power uh, to affect how philanthropy moves forward to try to address and solve the problems of our time. How will this power change the face of philanthropy in, um, at the ground level? In- well, w- what we've seen is that women, uh, not not surprising to anybody who's listening, women... Uh, are different in the way they approach philanthropy, uh, typically, than men. Uh, women like to work in community. Uh, women like to share decision-making more than their male counter- counterparts in, in philanthropy. I mean, historically, if you look at how women have, have, uh, have, have done their work, they've worked collaboratively in, in quilting circles and in canning circles and in book circles and investment circles, women, women seem to uh, are seem to be driven to to both learn and act collectively, uh, historically, and and that now is is working uh, in philanthropy with organizations like, for example, Women Giving Millions, or the Women Donors Network, or other organizations that are bringing women together to hear their voices and to then to and combine their resources and then to act collectively. Um, giving circles are a growing phenomenon in this country, and they're uh, far more often uh, than not formed by women, who, uh, whether they're neighborhood or whether they're community-wide, who are getting together to learn and donate and act together uh, to make a difference in the world. Define the difference between a giving circle and traditional or other forms of giving. Well, a, a traditional giving would be um, um, I'm a donor, and I have a certain amount of money to give away, and I'm going to make all the decisions myself, and I'm going to I'm going to select the nonprofits I'm going to partner with, and I'm going to make my own social investments. Uh, a giving circle is an intentional group of people, 
in this case we're talking about women, who get together much like an investment club or a book club uh, to, to learn about the different options that are available to them, to, uh, to pool resources so that they have more power and more impact than just one acting alone, and then to make collective decisions about how their philanthropic investments should be made. Bruce, you're the you're married and the father of four sons. Why? What? What caused this to be of importance to you? You know, with women and philanthropy. Well, um, the, you know, I was a lawyer for many years, and then I ran a nonprofit organization for a number of years, and that's when I first started to discover, Gail, how people of any gender uh, gave away their money, whether they were businesses or whether they were foundations or whether they were families or whether they were individuals. And I discovered that too often, uh, certainly not always, but too often people gave away their money, regardless of which organization they were working through, gave it away. They, weren't disorga- they, were, they were disorganized and they weren't strategic. And so I then looked around the country and the world and found this emerging field called philanthropic advising and felt that I could make a difference in helping people make better decisions, become more organized, uh, become more strategic, and have greater outcomes with their philanthropy if they, if they, if they went about it in a certain way. And in, in doing that work, of course, uh, the increased power that women have in our economy and our families and our communities has just drawn me to this issue because I see that um, the old days are gone and women have an equal place at the table, at the philanthropic table, at the community table, and um, I wanted to feature that particular topic in several of my columns that I've written about women and the role that they play in philanthropic planning. How uh, have you seen your your career and life choices affect the the thought processes of four sons well um uh you know i i hope i'm a role model for them um i i've always uh, decided that i should um uh, make sure my heart is is out front and that i do the work that i love um and that that i'll i'll make a living uh from that rather than the opposite and uh i'm hoping that that's a role model um one of my sons is a very, uh, very active in the community and wants to change the world in, in his own ways. Uh, others are finding their own paths, and, and one of them is, is quite young. I have a four-year-old, and I don't think he quite knows what he wants to do when he grows up. So <laughs> I, I, think we're, I, I think the jury's still out on the youngest. How has your, you know, a part of what I um, found intriguing about your background has been your work in you know, with the Anti-Defamation League, you know, your battles, of, you know, in the, the legal arena that have included discrimination and civil rights. Now, how has that type of calling also affected the lens that you look at women and philanthropy through? Is there anything additional to what you've shared that you could provide more insight on? Well, I, 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 I without tooting my own horn too loudly. I mean, I've spent most of my life fighting for equal rights for people uh, of all from from all different sectors of the community. And uh, 
the women's rights issue is one that I embraced um, uh, decades ago, literally when I uh, was was taught about what the women's movement by some tremendously active feminists on my college campus who decided that I was worth uh, uh, teaching about the, the the power and the importance of the women's movement back in we're talking now in the 70s and 80s. So I I've been involved in in different struggles for equal rights and social justice um, my entire life. And that's where philanthropy fits in because philanthropy is all about and is all about love and the love of humanity. And if you're, if you're going to devote your life to philanthropy, then you've got to, you've got to take off the, the filter of discrimination because uh, everyone has, has, has a right to access to the same, key elements of life and that's the opportunity to be educated uh the opportunity to to love who you want to love um the opportunity to to live the kind of lives that that you uh, uh ought to be able to live regardless of whether you're in um Detroit or 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 Denver or Des Moines uh or or if you're in um uh Uganda um you know or the Middle East um so I I think philanthropy is is an incredibly powerful tool uh, uh, to change the world, uh, but it has to be done thoughtfully. It has to be done strategically. It has to be done uh, with a real eye toward the outcomes that you want to achieve. Um, uh, and then you have to always never forget that, that it's ultimately an act of love uh, to give to another human being or to a worthy cause. What's the difference between behaviors and outcomes of a strategic philanthropist and a non-strategic philanthropist? Well, um, that's a great question, Gail. Uh, uh, First of all, I look at outcomes from philanthropy as having having two lenses. One is the internal outcomes. Why are you choosing to give money away? Uh, What is it you're trying to achieve for yourself as the donor? And I think that's a worthy uh, uh, inquiry. Because people give away money for a variety of reasons. Some it's theologically based. Some some it's about creating a legacy. Some it's about uh, truly changing the world altruistically. Some it's about ego or access to power or political influence. Uh, Businesses give away money to attract and retain employees as well as attracting and retaining customers. So So the first inquiry of a strategic philanthropist is to figure out what is your internal goal um, before you even figure out how you're going to impact um, the world. And then the second inquiry of a strategic philanthropic plan is what outcomes are you really trying to achieve? I mean, the world, the community, the neighborhood has so many challenging problems, you can't fix them all. Um, you can barely make a dent on some. So I have a I have a mantra about philanthropy, and that is 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 go go deep, not wide, um, and that is don't scatter your philanthropy over uh, multiple causes over which you'll have little impact. Rather, identify your areas of focus and then go deep, so you can truly partner with a nonprofit organization or the right cause to hopefully make a, a material difference and have an outcome in the world that you want to see in your lifetime. So the problem with a lot of philanthropy is that it's literally giving money away. And if, if, if this was a video, I'd be 
casting money off, you know, like I'm just floating it in the air. And it really has little impact. Um, it's when you really plan and when you really think and when you really believe uh, that you can make a difference and you focus more narrowly that you can change the world. There are lots of women's organizations now, uh, you know, and there have been through the years, but they're all, do you see them growing at such exponential rates as the number of women with wealth? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, we all know that women, um, uh, th- that the role of heart in women's lives um, seems to play a bigger role than it does in men's lives. Um, uh, I, you know, that I could probably be criticized for that statement, but it's a personal belief of mine. And w- once you bring heart into uh, and you mix it with money, uh, then you have a chance to 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 make a difference. Um, one of one of my uh, favorite uh, women in philanthropy is a woman named Lynn Twist, uh, who lives in San Francisco, and she wrote a book called The Soul of Money, and a very powerful book. I would recommend it to your listener because it really helped me transform my view about the role that money can play in the world. And Lynn Twist talks about money being like a, a river or like a stream. And that is if you, if you hold it, if you hoard it, if you, if you gather it and don't let it flow, it, it literally becomes polluted and toxic. It becomes poisonous um, to, the, to the holder, to the hoarder. But if you let it flow like a stream or like a river, it, it not only nourishes life and not only creates opportunities for things to grow, but it replenishes and remains fresh. Isn't that and, why we call it currency? Because uh, it's intended to be like a current, you know, the, to flow. And if a, a pool of water gets backed up or it's not allowed to do what it's called to do, which is to flow, then the same symptoms happen, yes. um, manifest themselves. It becomes a poisonous pool. It, it can become toxic and yes. and not life-sustaining. Yes. And uh, whereas water that flows or, or current that flows um, or currency that flows, to use your term, uh, is life-sustaining, life-nurturing. And I think women, you know, <laughs> are built that way. Um, uh, to sustain and nurture life, and philanthropy is such an, uh, an uh, outstanding place for women to express that form of love, that commitment to life and to nurturing and to growth. Um, that I'm I'm thrilled to partner with women in in helping them achieve those goals. You're, the statistics that you reference, and these are going to these are going to be available. They are available on the sylviaglobal.com website under you know your name and with your your face. Um, the statistics that you reference, is it safe to assume that this is referring primarily to white women? Well, I I would I think that's a an assumption. Uh, okay. I don't think that that I don't think that the data parses uh, race uh, uh, among the genders. But have you seen any data that um, that breaks this down according to ethnicity and cultural groups and how those numbers are faring out when it comes to this area of philanthropy? Those those th- that data is just beginning to emerge, uh, but I don't think it's been studied closely yet because the role of women has 
has accelerated at such a rapid pace in the last decade or a decade and a half. I think this is something that's now now being studied. Um, but so I haven't seen that data yet. Would love to if it exists, but it hasn't. Uh, I, I haven't I haven't found it. Um, I, I I think the most important statistic in my column is this, um, Gail, and that is that with all of this wealth and future anticipated wealth, the role of women in business. Um, the fact that, that, that today 67% of college graduates are women, 70% of, of 2012's valedictorians were women, um, women controlling business, women controlling uh, wealth, um, uh, future billionaires. Even with all of that increasing power, today, out of every dollar granted to nonprofits by U.S. foundations, less than 8 of those dollars fund programs for women and girls. So here we have women controlling more than half of the wealth, private wealth in this country, anticipated to, to, uh, to inherit 70% of the future wealth in this country, and yet 8% of the funding is going to women and girls. That has to and will change. What? How do you explain or are you able to address the lag um, in that deficit? That, that type of gap well I think that I think that philanthropy has historically been a, a male dominated field in terms of giving the money away not in the nonprofit sector of course the nonprofits uh, have been historically uh, run by more women than men um, because of a lot of different socioeconomic factors but um, but in terms of giving foundations even today if you look at foundation boards they're a lot like corporate boards um, there are there are more women than ever, but uh, there's still a, a predominance of men. So I think as women continue to grow in sophistication, uh, continue to develop their own strategies. I mean, one of the strategies for women philanthropists is is making sure that they're at the right tables, uh, making the right decisions for the right organizations where that money is being given away. Uh, and I think I think that all that is changing. What do we have to do to accelerate that change? You're doing it. Um, you're you're helping educate people about the role of women. Um, your um, your 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 whole your whole show, your whole website is devoted to helping to make sure that women understand more and more of the complexity of these issues and are empowered uh, to go out and do something about it. You know what I uh, thank you, Bruce. What seems extremely important to Sylvia Global in this message and these types of conversations is an understanding that there is this re-imaging associated with philanthropy that we're in the midst of and that is going to continue to happen. And, And it's good. It's a very good thing. And not only is it good for women and girls, it's good for entire nations and for communities. And that people who are often seen as being on the receiving end are also playing a part of being uh, in this, these statistics of being on that giving end, that donor end. That's also being reimaged, that's shifting. And so it will be exciting to see how these numbers and this data and the faces um, of philanthropy diversify and become more visible. Bringing those messages and those images to the forefront, I think, is also a way 
of um, validating um, not only individually but externally, um, collectively, um, validating the power of stepping forward to make change. You you mentioned early on in this conversation, you know, this this is very different data, very different landscape from the 1950s and the 1960s, which means that the work that people did that um, to promote change then has had a positive effect. You know, it, it worked. <laughs> you know, it, it worked. And there are opportunities now that were not there before because someone cared enough and gather together others of like mind to impact change. Are you finding then that with, um, since there are still more women um, needed, needed at the table in order to advance the causes of supporting women and girls, are you finding, Bruce, that there are more organizations gradually stepping up to focus on women and girls, or are you saying that organizations still need to be created as well as seats at the board table? Both. I think we're seeing more and more interest on women and girls because I think philanthropy uh, uh, has recognized that in societies where women and girls are given um, a shot, a fair shot, a fair chance, um, that ultimately it's an economic and social justice decision that benefits the community. Yeah. So I, I I think that uh, that philanthropy is recognizing that until we empower women and girls everywhere to be equal partners in life's journey, uh, we're we're shooting ourselves in the foot uh, as societies. And so we're fortunate that I think philanthropy is recognizing it. I think that women uh, and girls are receiving more focus as the recipients of philanthropic initiatives. And yet we need to do more, we need more women at the table, and we need, we need more initiatives to address those problems. You know, um, Judith Roden, who is the uh, president of the Rockefeller Foundation, said that in, in order to change the world, the single most important thing we can do is unleash the full power of half the people on the planet, and that's women. And I think that's happening. I think it's an exciting time. Uh, uh, for that to happen, uh, and I'm I'm excited to be part of it. It's wonderful. I noticed that you have a foundation, a nonprofit of the month. Can you speak to that? Yeah, every month in my column, I feature a, a Colorado-based nonprofit that is usually working in Colorado, but sometimes working around the world. That I highlight for my readers to to draw attention to, and I try to highlight nonprofits that are a little bit less known than some of the big sort of established giants in in the community uh, who are out there doing great work, um, who are um, uh, solving problems and who are well-run and well-managed so that as readers read my columns month after month after month, they can acquire information about nonprofits that they may choose to support um, or get involved with or volunteer for down the road. You know, you also make reference to Louise Atkinson and the, you know, Colorado Women's Foundation, you know, among others that you've referenced in your column and the work that they're doing. You know, that particular foundation you indicated focuses focuses 
on helping about 325,000 women um, who currently live in poverty and then 6,000 girls who have dropped out of high school annually in Colorado. I, I, I really appreciate and acknowledge, um, you know, your acknowledgement to organizations such as the, you know, the Colorado Women's Foundation and others. You know, you make reference to the Mile High United Way Women's Leadership Council in showing um, the audience you know, the work that's highlighting the work that's being done that does solve the problem, that is addressing the problem and impacting change. Well, in every community across our country and other countries around the world, women are are coming together, uh, uh, learning and acting collectively, and then going out and making differences in the world. And um, and that's that's what my column tries to highlight is to give people – who want to dig a little deeper, they can they can read and learn more about any particular topic. Um, I mean, I've written about how to involve children, uh, young yeah. and old children, yeah. and, and other issues. So that's the point of my column, is to be a resource for people who want to go deeper, who want to make a bigger di- difference, and who ultimately want to find more joy and meaning in their lives. Bruce, I, I I hate that we're running out of time, so I'm hope I'm extending an invitation on the air and hoping that you'll plan to come back. But I have a couple more questions. I want to make sure we I give you an opportunity to share with our audience um, the answers to. Talk to us about the Dubowski Group and why you started that and who you serve and include how listeners can get in touch with you. Great. Well, the Dubosky Group um, has been in existence for a little more than two years. Uh, there are three of us, and we dedicate our work toward helping individuals and families and businesses and foundations become more organized, become more strategic, and to define and refine the outcomes they want to achieve in the world. So we're, you know, we, don't, we call ourselves the fourth leg of the philanthropic planning table. Uh, there's a wealth manager, there's a tax advisor, there's a legal advisor. And all three of those experts are needed to understand people's philanthropic capacity and the tax and legal strategies needed. Uh, but what the, the Dabosky Group is, is the fourth leg of the philanthropic planning table. We help people um, learn how to be philanthropic, uh, learn how to have the outcome, how to create the legacy, how to involve their family, uh, and how to change the world. Um, we can. We have a website, uh, which is www.dabaskygroup.com, d-e-b-o-s-k-e-y group.com, and we um, we love to work with people, and we get to work with really interesting people with really interesting visions about how they want the world to be. Bruce Dabowski, thank you so much for being here with us today on Sylvia Global. I'm going to close with a quote that appears on your webpage, and it's one by Winston Churchill. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. And I appreciate so much that you're here to help us um, live our best philanthropic life and offer your services and and your areas of expertise and insight to all of us uh, around the world. Thank you for being on Sylvia Global today, Bruce, and I look forward so much to having you come back soon. Well, it's a privilege to be here. I appreciate the great work that you're doing, and I'm happy to participate in any way that serves. And we're here for you as well. Thanks, Bruce. Have a wonderful day. You too.